Joshua chapter 6. In Joshua chapter 5, we heard Joshua asking a question of the commander of the Lord's army, who was none other than Jesus. And Joshua asked, are you for us or our adversaries? A very inappropriate question to ask God. Yet the carnal mind, our humanistic way of thinking, many times we'll hear people ask God to prove himself to them. We will hear this many times at funerals where perhaps a child has died and mankind will look upon that as being perhaps unfair. I've heard questions like this at funerals. When I see the man upstairs, I've got a few questions for him. And that person, where they realize it or not, are trying to force God to give an account to them for the world's situation or at least how life has treated them. Well, there was another man who had a question, and his name was Pharaoh. Happened to be the king of Egypt. And he said to Moses, who is God that I should obey him? Well, then we read about the ten plagues that came upon Pharaoh in Egypt. God kind of proving to Pharaoh who he was. God openly demonstrating to Pharaoh and all of Egypt who he is. But that same person that will question God, oftentimes he will come to a wrong conclusion about the state of man and man's character. Many times people will assume that their own thinking is correct thinking and their own way of life is a good life and a proper way to live and they can be completely wrong. Scripture has something to say about the way man is and it's in the psalm that we read there is none righteous. No, not one. Okay, so there you are. Not one righteous in and of ourselves. And there are Christians, and there are a lot of Christian authors that write uh, books based upon a false assumption. And the books will have titles similar to this, Why Does Bad Things Happen to Good People? That's a wrong assumption right off the bat. (laughs) Have you ever found yourself chasing down the motives of why you have done good deeds? Without the help of the Holy Spirit, our motives almost always are self-edifying. In short, we are separated. We are apart from God in our carnal humanistic thinking. We will do good works to be recognized. 
we want to be recognized as being a good person. Wanting others to think uh, that we're so giving, we're so loving. What a great guy. Three times in the Gospel of John, in chapter 21, Jesus asked of Peter, Peter, do you love me with a godly, agape type of love? Feed my sheep. Then he drops down one. Peter, do you love me like a brother? If you do, Peter, feed my sheep. And the last one, Peter, do you even care about me? If you do, Peter, feed my sheep. And that's interesting because it shows us how completely foreign agape love is to us. But the question that Joshua asks of Jesus, are you for us, Jesus, as the commander of the army? Are you for us? Well, it didn't take Joshua long to get that straightened out because in the next verse we read Joshua saying, Lord, what will you say to me? Joshua came to his senses quickly and then he wants to know, Lord, what would you say to me? And with that thought in our background, let's read chapter 6 of Joshua. Chapter 6. Now Joshua was, uh, excuse me, now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given you Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of valor. So you shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go around the city once. Then you shall, this you shall do six days. And the seven priests shall bear tr- seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout, then the wall of the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall go up every man straight before him. Then Joshua the son of Nun called the priest and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and let the seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, Proceed and march around the city and let him who is armed advance before the Ark of the Lord. So it was when Joshua had spoken to the people that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord advanced and blew the trumpets and the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord followed them. The armed men went before the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard came after the ark, while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. Now Joshua had commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, Shout, then you shall shout. So he had the ark of the Lord circle the city, going around it once, and then they came to the camp and lodged in the camp. 
And Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. Then the seven priests, bearing seven trumpets of ram, soaring before the ark of the Lord, went on continually and blew with the trumpets. And the armed men went before them. But the rear guard came after the ark of the Lord, while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. And the second day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. So they did six days. But it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose up early about the dawning of day and marched around the city seven times in the manner, in the same manner. Of, on that day only they marched around the city seven times. And the seventh time it happened when the priests blew the trumpets that Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Now the city shall be doomed by the Lord to destruction. It and all who are in it, only Rahab the harlot shall live. She and all who are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that uh, we sent. And you by all means abstain from the accursed things, lest you become accursed when you take of the accursed things, and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. But all the silver and gold and vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated to the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets, and it happened when the people heard the sound of their trumpets, and the people shouted with a great shout that the walls fell down flat. Then the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. And they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and women, young and old, ox and sheep, and donkey with the edge of the sword. But Joshua had said to the Two men who had spied out the country go into the harlot's house. From there bring out the woman and all that she has as you swore to her. And the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, her mother, her brothers, and all she had. So they brought out all her relatives and left them outside the camp of Israel. But they burned the city and all that was in it with fire, only the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. And Joshua spared Rahab the harlot, her father's household, and all she had. So she dwells in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Then Joshua charged them all at that time, saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord who rises up and builds this city Jericho. He shall lay its foundation with his firstborn, and with his youngest he shall set up its gates. So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame spread throughout all the country. Interesting story, but it's more than a story. It's history. Joshua, well, God's got his attention now, and God will instruct Joshua. And when he does, Jericho, the city that they're camped right there next to, Jericho is in what we would call lockdown mode. They trust now, they must trust in their high walls, their fortified walls for protection. In ancient cities like Jericho and even Jerusalem, walls were built uh, usually uh, 
as a protection method. They were sometimes great walls. Sometimes if it was a poor city, they would be small walls. But these cities were surrounded by fields where they would plant their gardens and they would be have pastures and grazing land that were outside the city gates where the people could get their food supply and so forth. The city of Jericho, it is sealed up. It's tight as a drum. And now the Lord gives Joshua the battle plan. The city is yours, Joshua. March around it, you and your soldiers, plus seven priests who carry trumpets of ram horn. And uh, we also have priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant. They're to march around Jericho one time a day for six straight days. The priests are to blow their trumpets, but the people are to be silent. No shouting by the people, not until the seventh day, and not until the seventh time around on the seventh day. And I ask you, we have some military guys that attend here, what kind of battle plan is that? <laughs> you would look at that and say, yeah. <laughs> However, the commander of the Lord's army, Jesus himself, has Joshua's complete attention now. And Joshua is fully obedient. God has uh, told Joshua, this city is yours. Jericho is yours, Joshua. But you must be careful to obey me completely. Depending how well a city was fortified, a siege like the one Joshua's uh, going to undertake here and basically uh, take the city, well, they would normally starve out a city. And that could take years. And it did take years in some cases to actually starve a uh, a group of people that took refuge in their city to de before they depleted their food and water supply. And it, it happened. It could take years. But God has got a seven-day plan to take Jericho. And on the seventh day, the priests are to blow their trumpets. Israel is to march around Jericho seven times. And the seventh day, the people are to shout on that last lap. The size of Jericho at best, was a mile in circumference. Probably less than that. The entire army of Israel is marching around Jericho, plus the priests that are carrying the Ark of the Covenant, and you have the priests that are carrying the trumpets of ram's horn. And on the seventh day, on that last lap, the people are to shout. Before this, they have been told, be silent. When touring Israel, if you ever go to Israel, sometimes take a hike around the wall of Jerusalem. They have part of the old wall which is still there, and it's very it's a very short little walk. Jerusalem was a much bigger city than Jericho and it was small. But consider this plan of attack the siege plan by God. In this plan, Jesus himself is telling Moses, or telling Joshua, the law of Moses, you're going to break it. 
You're going to break the law. God has instructed Joshua to break the Sabbath laws. And if you were a Jew, the Sabbath laws, especially as they begin to expound upon the law, they were very dear to you, the law. Jericho was taken on the Sabbath on the day of rest. Joshua was was there. He was right there with Moses when God gave the law to Moses. Joshua was there. Now Joshua was commanded march seven times around the city of Jericho on the Sabbath. And this order is given by none other than Jesus himself. And Jesus tells Joshua, break the law. Now fast forward about 1,500 years, and we find that the main bone of contention between the Pharisees and Jesus was the Sabbath laws. So turn with me to Matthew chapter 12. Jesus, he's walking through the countryside on the Sabbath. His disciples, uh, they begin to pluck a few heads of grain there, and they would blow away the husk, which uh, the Pharisees consider harvesting, which was unlawful. And the Pharisees, they observe what Jesus' disciples are doing, and they're indignant. Jesus... Your disciples are breaking the Sabbath laws. And Jesus answers these Pharisees, and he said, King David ate the showbread, which was on the altar, which was unlawful. But David did that. And then we hear Jesus say, The Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. And then we're going to read here in a moment what Jesus does in a synagogue. So, Matthew chapter 12, 9 through 14. Now, when he had departed from there, he went into their synagogue, speaking of Jesus. And behold, there was a man who had a withered hand. And they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And they say in this because they want to accuse Jesus. Then he said to them, What man is there among you who has one sheep and he falls into a pit on the Sabbath will not lay hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value then is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to this, to the man, stretch out your hand, and he stretched it out, and it was restored as whole as the other. Then the Pharisees went out and plotted against him how they might destroy him. Wow. While they're in the synagogue, Jesus is asked. He's asked by the, uh, the scribes and the Pharisees, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? The Pharisees have a motive behind their question. They want to accuse Jesus of breaking the Mosaic law. Now, Jesus could have used the Jericho example. He said, haven't you read 
where God told Joshua to march around the city. But he didn't use that. Jesus chooses to use something much more basic. And he speaks of sheep. If any of you have one sheep, and most of them did, (laughs) and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will he not lift it out? Jesus is saying, think about this. And he says, a human being, a person, is of much more value than a sheep. Jesus gives us a declarative statement about human life being of greater importance than that of an animal. Take note, PETA. I have cows. (laughs) We put cows in their right perspective. Anyway. Jesus' conclusion, because of this, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then our Lord, being full of grace, has mercy on the man with the withered hand, and he heals him. But in this healing, we see the motive of the Pharisees. They have used a handicapped man as their test case against Jesus. They want Jesus to heal on the Sabbath so they can accuse Jesus of breaking the Mosaic law of the Sabbath. The Pharisees openly declared doing any work on the Sabbath is wrong, including healing this man that's there before them. Jesus openly declares, not only is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath, I will show you by doing good on the Sabbath. Don't you just love Jesus when he gets his ire up against the Pharisees? But anyway, Jesus is never intimidated by evil men. Evil motives and behavior never defeat grace and goodness. Jesus always displayed grace and mercy. He's full of grace. He's full of mercy. The man with the withered hand, consider him for a moment. He fully realizes that he is a test case between the Pharisees and Jesus. He has great concerns how this will turn out. He's got a withered hand. What do you think the handicapped man, what do you think his opinion of the Pharisees is? In verse 15, great multitudes now follow Jesus And notice what it says, Jesus healed them all. We see our Lord Jesus loving and caring for people. We see what the Pharisees cared about. They cared about their rules and their regulations. They cared about their power base, which was the law, by the way. They used the law to keep them in the position of power. And no wonder now that we see so many people cynical 
towards religion. That is what religion does. Thank you, God, for coming and being part of us. We see the, excuse me, we see that the religious leaders take counsel to destroy Jesus. And the reason they want to destroy Jesus, he is tearing down their power base, their power structure over the people, and that is the law, and in particular, the Sabbath laws. So going back to Jericho, it's very interesting that the first order of business in the promised land, God directly orders Joshua, obey me, Joshua, and I want you to break the Sabbath laws as the Jews see the law. Not as the way Jesus saw the law because he said it's always lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Aren't you glad that our Lord doesn't take a day off not to do good? It's always lawful, always lawful to do good, whether it be on the Sabbath or any other day. Jesus made it very plain and very simple. Do good always. Amen? Amen. Let me get you to stand and we'll close in prayer. Father, I thank you for coming, sending your Son to come and dwell among us to instruct us about your heart. Your heart, Lord, is for us. Jesus, you wouldn't let the Pharisees, Pharisees intimidate you into not showing grace and mercy. They wanted to limit what you would do, God, and you broke all the bounds, you broke all the rules, you broke all their regulations by doing good. And I thank you, Lord, for being that way. I thank you for loving us, providing for us, healing us whenever we're in need. Thank you for choosing to do good, Lord. And Lord, as your people, as your children, we want to be doing good, and we don't want to ever be judging versus doing good. We can get caught up into that, Lord. We can be picking and choosing where we want to serve you. And Lord, just give us a heart to serve you openly, to do good, regardless of the day or the circumstance. Let us choose to do good. Thank you for your spirit. We want to be led of your spirit into good works, so we ask you to do that, Lord. Open doors for us that no man can close, and let us be, be like Joshua, who was obedient to you. We want to be obedient, Lord, in doing good. So help us, and we pray and ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen.